let's turn to Psalm 4. Psalm 4. To the choir master. <laughs> to the choir master with stringed instruments, the Psalm of David. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain, vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set, has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when, they, when their grain and wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Amen. Thank you, Ben, for uh, reading God's word for us. Don't see you. <laughs> ah, <laughs> sorry. Let us pray. Dear God, Father in heaven, through your word and through your spirit, you speak to us. We pray that you enlighten our minds, you open our ears that we may hear your voice, that we may see you and your grace, that you open our hearts. Lord, speak through the words of my mouth and bless us all, we, I, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The theme for this sermon is how to sleep. Dear Brothers and sisters, dear friends, how did he do that? David's friends may have wondered how it was possible that King David had been able to pray that day before when they had fled from Absalom, the son of David, they had been threatened. Now they were refugees. How is that to be a refugee? But that night, David prayed and fell asleep. And that morning, he was refreshed and bold. How did he do that? They may have wondered that. And we might be curious to learn from David. David, how did you do that? For, as Matthijs said, it's not always easy to fall asleep. And I will immediately be honest, I'm not a very good sleeper. <laughs> but I believe that David designed and wrote Psalm 4, the psalm that Ben just read for us, to 
to show his man how he did that, to unravel his, his secret of rest and joy and confidence. So I believe on that day, perhaps even that first day after they fled from Absalom, David took time to write this song, to write this prayer that we find in Psalm 4. And it was given to him by the Holy Spirit of God. It were not just David's personal words. It is God speaking through these words. And David knew that these words, that this song, that this prayer was a prayer to be used by God's people in all times. God's Israel in Old and New Testaments until today to, to use it. So that's the aim for me in this sermon, that we will learn how to use this song. And that it may help us to find rest, courage, joy, peace, even in the saddest times of our lives. And for this reason, let us do three things today. First, let us pay attention to this psalm of David and see how it was a psalm of David for David and his men. I think that night he would lead them in a song with his stringed instruments. He would learn them to sing and pray this psalm so that they might sleep as he slept. First chapter of the sermon will be, let us look at this psalm of David. Second chapter of this sermon is, let us see how this is a psalm of Jesus and his disciples. I will show you that it is necessary to do that. And then thirdly, we come to us. How is this a psalm for us? These are the three chapters of the sermon of today. First, a psalm of David. Um, how is this psalm built up? I found it difficult to trace that, but I think we can divide the psalm in two parts. In the first psalm, and feel free to get your Bible app, then you can follow it, and it's very helpful to see in the Bible. For my purpose is not to leave the Bible beside to tell my own story. My, my purpose is that you will be able to use this psalm if you go home. So the first half of this psalm um, consists of a prayer of the king and an encouragement of the king to pray with him. Prayer of the king, encouragement to pray with him. This is verses 1 to 5. I saw, by the way, that the verses differ in different translations, so sorry for that. And then the second half, there we see David pray for a blessing and give a testimony of blessing. So the king prays and encourages to pray. The king prays for a blessing and gives a testimony of blessing. That is, I think, I believe how this psalm works. Now let's look at it in more detail. The prayer. So David had fled for, from his sin. He had to leave his palace, his home, everything. He was in danger. And now in the night he prays. Now this prayer consists of three things. It's a cry. It's a sigh, a lament. And then it's a confession. First, the cry. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. 
You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. A cry. David is in distress. His circumstances are terrible. But David knows what to do. It's not just a cry in the air, let somebody help me if there is anyone there. No, David knows his God. At the same time, David knows he's not always been a righteous king. So what happened to him has something to do with his failing to raise his children in a, in a good manner. He has sinned, so his distress is a consequence of his sins. But he knows, God has made me king. God has said to me, remember Psalm 2, ask me and I will answer. You are my appointed king. So there is a covenant, a relationship between God and David. So David knows that God has said, so to say, give me a call if you are in need. That's what prayer is. He cries to God, hear me. And he remembers that God has often heard him in his distress and given him relief. So he asks, be gracious to me. I don't deserve it, but you are the God of my righteousness. You give me righteousness. And, 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 and hear my prayer, a cry. Immediately followed by a sigh. David looks up. He looks around. No, his circumstances are not good. They are terrible. In Jerusalem, his honor has been turned into shame. So that same day when he is trying to write a prayer, messages are coming to him. Absalom has taken his palace. In 2 Samuel you read that Absalom even took the wives of David and would sleep with his wives on the roof of the palace to dishonor David, to make him completely ashamed. And he knows that the people of Jerusalem hear all kinds of lies about David. It's, it's very sad. Now, what does David do? After cry, crying to God, he sighs. He laments. How long? How long means he suffers, but he knows it will not last forever. There will be a time that it is ended. How long? Many times in the Psalms you will find this sigh. How long? And then he ends his prayer with a confession. He says, but, but know that the Lord has set apart a godly one for himself. So he knows that God has promised, when you call me, I will answer. So what David has done is like when you, um, you see a car accident, you call the ambulance, the people of the ambulance say, we are coming, and then you're waiting. Oh, how long, how long will, it, will it take? But then you say to yourself, I know, they said we will come, so, so they will come. So this is the prayer of David. And he wants his man, he wants us, that we learn to pray in the same way. Cry, sigh, but confess your confidence in God. Then David uh, encourages his man to join him. Perhaps he, he goes back uh, and he says, come on, join me. He says, be angry, but do not sin. 
he knows that his men who followed him are very angry about the current situation. How could Absalom do this? How can they speak all these lies about us? So they are pondering about it. They are, they are so angry. And David says, yeah, you may be angry. It's not a sin to be angry. But it would be a sin to let your anger lead you into sin. For instance, that you stop to pray. That you continue to ponder and to say, to speak to one another how sad it all is. David says, come on, we must be silent in the end of the day and we must offer a right sacrifice to God. Come on, let us pray. When they were in Jerusalem, when the, when the day would end, then in the end of the day, the people of Jerusalem would come together There was not yet a temple, but there was a place where the ark was. They would come together to bring an animal sacrifice. And um, at the same time, they would pray together. Now they had fled from Jerusalem. There was not a sacrifice of an animal. But David says, our prayer, the lifting up of our hands can be our sacrifice. So he encourages his man, come on, we must call upon our God. He has promised to be faithful. He will hear us. So let us cry together. Let us sigh together and let us be confident together. That's the first part of the psalm. A prayer and an encouragement to his man to pray. Now would they have joined him? Perhaps they hesitated a bit. There is one verse in between that says, there are many who say, who will show us some good? So these men who followed David may have thought, well, David, we we followed you, but our circumstances are so bad. Will we ever see some good? We are not able to go back to our homes. We lost it all. We are not safe. We lost our honor. Who will show us some good? So although they follow David, they feel very sad. They are not so much in to pray. And then David continues. He prays for a blessing and he gives a testimony of blessing. Normally, when you would pray in Jerusalem, a sacrifice would be brought, prayers would be said or sung, and then in the end, the priest would give a blessing. But now they are not in Jerusalem. But David decides, I will pray for the blessing. And if you're familiar with the Bible, if not, look at Numbers 6. There is the priestly blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord uh, lift up his face upon you and and give you peace. These are the words that normally would end the meeting in Jerusalem. Then you would go home and have your sleep. Now, in the second half of the psalm, David prays for a blessing. He knows what they think, who will show us some good. And then he says, lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. And then he shares his testimony. Why was David able to sleep last night? Because when he was praying, crying, sighing, trusting in God, then all of a sudden, in his heart, with an eye of faith, he was able to see his God in the heavens. 
and he saw, so to say, the light of the creator of the universe, that he was his father, that he was gracious to him, that he said to him, David, don't be afraid. Remember, as a boy you were a shepherd, you took care of your sheep. Now I am your shepherd. I will take care of you. And when David's soul tasted, tasted this goodness of the Lord, saw the radiance of the light of God's face, there was such a joy in his heart. A joy that the world does not know. The people in Jerusalem may have the palace and the fields, the grain and the wine, but David has his God, the support of his loving father, the promises of his father. So there is joy in his heart and God gives him peace and confidence for now and for the future. So he can lay down, he can fall asleep, he knows that he dwells in safety. Even when his enemies would kill him, David knows God is able to raise me from the dead. If you read Psalm 16, you see that David has even confidence that there will be a future life. No more enemies. Joy forever. This is David's psalm. With this song, with this prayer, David helps his men to end their day. A prayer with a cry, a sigh, and a confidence, and then a prayer for blessing, and also an encouragement um, to hear his testimony of blessing. This is faith, that your heart sees the radiance of God's face. So this is very helpful, I believe, for us to know that this wonderful psalm is in the Bible to be used by us in our evenings. But will we do that? I believe that we have to see how this whole psalm is fulfilled in Jesus Christ so that we may see the depths and the power of this psalm so that we indeed will use it. So let's move on to Jesus. Jesus, when he was a boy, and his disciples, when they were boys, as children, learned these psalms. They learned them by heart. They learned them to use them for their prayers. Now, do you remember that there was a time that Jesus encouraged his man, now you must pray. Come on, pray. When was that? When did Jesus tell his disciples, you must pray? Perhaps he did it more times, but there is one time you may remember. Indeed. So when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said to his disciples, you must pray. And would they have known what they should pray? When we think of prayer, we think, well, well, just uh, say to God what is in your heart. But these boys had learned to pray. Psalm 4 would be one of the first prayers that they would learn from their parents how to pray. They could use this psalm, Psalm 4, but did they pray? What did they? They, they fell asleep. I believe they said in their hearts, who will show us some good? They thought we have followed this king. They thought he would become king, but they now think he lost everything. We lost our property. We lost our honor. 
we lost our safety. Soon our king will be killed and we will be killed with him. Who will show us some good? They felt so sad. They were not in to the mood to pray. It's very interesting to be aware that the way they had just been walking from Jerusalem to the Mount of Olives to Gethsemane is exactly the same way that David and his men had walked when they went from Jerusalem. If you read to Samuel, then you read that David and his men go through the Kedron Brook and then up to the Mount of Olives. It's exactly the same place. So Jesus and his men could have thought of this story. And Jesus tells his men pray, but they don't. But look at Jesus in Gethsemane. What they don't do, he does. He cries in Gethsemane. Have you ever heard such a cry as there was in Gethsemane? Jesus was in great distress, even greater distress than David was. Why? Was it because of Jesus' sins? No, no. David was in distress because of his sins. Jesus was in distress because of our sins, because of the sins of the world. But he knows who he is. He knows that God has said, I will always answer you. I will always hear you. That is what Jesus knows. He knows that he is the promised king of Psalm 2. Remember Psalm 2, where God says, you are my son. So he knows he is the son in, with whom God is well pleased. He cries. And then soon we hear him sigh. No, we don't hear him speak with his lips. He is silent. But if you want to know what there is in the heart of Jesus, read the book of Psalms. So the Gospels show you what Jesus did and what he said, but the Psalms show you his heart. In his heart, of course, he sighs when Judas comes there. When they accuse him with false lies. When he hangs upon the cross and when they say to him, let God save him if he, is the, if he is the redeemer. Let God hear him if he is God's beloved one. And Jesus, no, he is silent, but he sighs. Oh man, how long, how long? And still he has his confidence. Yes, he knows that God has set apart him and that God will hear him and deliver him. Look at Jesus. He brings the true Sacrifice, middle of the psalm, bring or offer right sacrifices. This is what Jesus does. He offers himself, he, the righteous one, as a lamb, offers himself and his blood for the sins of the world. Does Jesus see what David saw? David was so happy because he saw the light of God's face. But see what happens when Jesus hangs on the cross. Is there light? No, there is darkness. Light is connected to blessing. Darkness is connected to curse. Why is Jesus in the darkness? Why does he cry out, my God, my God, why have you left me? Why does God turn his face away? It is because Jesus takes upon him what we deserved. He 
becomes our savior. He wants to save us from our sins. So he hangs in darkness. God hides his face from him. And this is so sad for Jesus. Because yeah, for us, if we ask what is our good, then we look to our friends, to our job, to our status, to whatever. But if you ask Jesus, what is your good? He has no good apart from God. His father was his good and he lost his father here. Why? To give us his father that we can come to him and can be redeemed from our sins. But it goes on. It didn't remain dark at the cross. Did you know that there is joy on the cross? Have you ever realized that there was joy on the cross? In the afternoon, after the darkness, Jesus cries out, it is finished. And that exactly at that moment, the sun comes back. Jesus knows that he has brought the true sacrifice to bring blessing upon his people and upon all the nations of the world. There is such a joy in Jesus' heart because he knows the door to God has been opened again. The curtain is torn. The light comes back. There is joy. There is grace now for anyone who comes to Jesus. And there is peace. Peace made by the blood. Peace for Jesus and peace for us. And therefore Jesus is able to die. His life is not taken from him. No, he says, in thine hands I commit my spirit. Psalm 31 he can go to sleep. He can die. He can rest. He knows if I lay down, if I'm put in the grave, God won't leave me in the grave. Psalm 16 again. But he will raise me up again. A psalm fulfilled in Jesus. He went this way. The great king. And now this great king gives us this wonderful song this wonderful prayer that we may sing and pray it too. What do you use for your prayers? I think today many think, do we need anything for our prayers? Well, I think we can use some help for our prayers. A school of prayer, the Lord's Prayer, the Book of Psalms, it is a tool to help us pray. Now, as you know, the men around Jesus knew this psalm, but they didn't use it. They didn't use it, perhaps they, because they thought, who will show us some good? Their problem was the same problem that we have. Our problem, their problem, and the problem of David's man is that if we speak about some good, then we look around us, we look at our circumstances. So we want to have health, honor, good job, um, there are so many things we know we need to have some good. But here is our sin. What is our sin? Our sin is that we treasure the gifts more than the giver. We love the gifts and worship the gifts more than the giver. And that is what the Bible calls idolatry. It's sinful to turn your back to God and to love the created things. We have to come back from this. By nature, we were born as rebels. We turn our back to God. We say, we don't need you. We do need the gifts. But today, we are called to see our sin. 
and to come to God with a humble confession. Lord, we are blind for your glory, for your greatness, for the joy that is in you, the rest and the peace and the glory. Lord, forgive us. Forgive me and open my eyes that I may love you more than anything else, that I may see you. So yes, this is a psalm for us too. You may come to Jesus. You may call upon the name of the Lord and he hears anyone who comes to him. In whatever distress you are, even though you caused it yourself by your sins, you may come to him, to Jesus. And yes, you may sigh about your circumstances, even when you caused them by yourself. And you may know that for Christ's sake, he hears you. Your prayer is not just a cry in the air, let's see whether something happens. No, it's sure that God, for Christ's sake, hears you so you can wait until he comes to help you. And this is the purpose, I, I believe, in, in praying this, with this psalm, that we have an eye of faith opened for the blessing of the Lord. God is hidden for our natural eyes. We cannot see him. But if we see Jesus on the cross, if we see that Jesus is the risen Jesus, if we see that Jesus is now at the right hand of God praying for us, that he did it for us to give us joy, peace, grace, security, rest, then we see the radiance of God's face in Christ. And if you see that, yeah, then you can sleep. Even when you, like me, are not a very good sleeper. I'm not always able to sleep, but in crying to God, I can have rest. I can know things are fine. And I think it's good when we together give our testimonies to each other, how we cry to God and how he heard us. That we learn to do that in our life groups. When we meet, just share how the Lord heard you and helped you. And that we praise him together. May we indeed use this psalm and may the days come that people around us wonder, how did he do that? How did she do that? So that we may give a reason for the hope that is in us. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, we praise your great name. Because of our sin, the curse came in the world. Darkness and distress. Lord, we all are sinners. But thank you, Father, that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins. Thank you that you, Jesus, did not commit any sin, that you did not revile in return when you were reviled, and that when you suffered you did not threaten, but that you continue to entrust yourself to him who judges justly. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the King who said, I am with you. O oh Lord, open up the eyes of our heart that we see the radiance of your love and find peace, confidence, strength and boldness 
as David found it, as the disciples found it later, that we may be a spirit-filled church and that we may grow to, to show this to others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.